The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What is up, everybody? It's your good friend, Lukey, and we are back with episode two. Lukey was out in Vegas, so you might have been waiting on this one, but you got it finally. Darker side of the after show. I am excited to talk about this fighter, Turpin. I'm going to throw it to the the host with the most. What are we going to learn today after listening to probably one of the saddest boxing stories I have ever heard up there with Sonny Liston? Yeah, it it is, isn't it? Uh Welcome, obviously, everybody, to the dark side of the episode, episode two, all about the trials and uh, tribulations of Randolph Turpin. This episode was one of the most interesting to sit down and research. I think I'll throw it out there first and foremost to everybody that's that's either listened or not listened yet. Go and listen, of course. But I think it was the most interesting one for me personally, being being a, being from the UK, researching the fighters from the UK, researching you know the guys that ultimately get forgotten about by the the boxing generation of of, of this era and I, I always refer to the boxing generation of this era because i feel like the you know the early the early 20 somethings don't appreciate these guys from yesteryear and for us it was about bringing these fighters from yesteryear to the forefront and unfortunately randy turpin had had so many so many amazing nights as a fighter but had so many sad moments really throughout the course of his life outside of the ring and the ultimate the ultimate demise of him was even more more saddening for me than than probably probably more sadder than Johnny Tapia's because you know Johnny Tapia you know got to do I feel like Johnny Tapia maybe squeezed a little bit more into his life than what Randy Turpin did and felt felt like Randy Turpin was suffering for a very long time and he just wasn't given the help he was needed he was just he was just used and a used and spat out by boxing i think that when i went through your episode and then i did like a little bit of like half-baked research on my own he really stands out as he is the cautionary tale everyone warns people about if you become a pro boxer you have someone that has success um basically deals with depression deals with the damage from the sport goes broke was bullied was a bully and seemingly seemed to always find himself in the mix with sketchy people. That's like my summary. It When I was listening to this episode, there was a video game called LA Noir. And I remember one of the episodes or the, the series um, things was you take on a boxer. There's some boxing element. And it was probably based around Sonny Liston. But when I was listening to this story, it really felt like that's a time capsule of this was the archetype moving forward of the cautionary sad boxing tale. Yeah, I think I think so. I think for for everybody that's listening by now, you know, I think you would have realised that 
there's a lot more to a lot of these fighters, isn't there? A lot more to a lot of them that we just don't know what goes on outside of the ring. And unfortunately, it all comes out in the aftermath of them either passing away untimely or, you know, them being sectioned or them being put into prison for, for committing a crime. None of this information comes out at the time. So obviously when you're when you're looking at these fighters at the time and you're only looking at them as a fighter, you don't really know what they're going through. You don't understand like how difficult the fame can be. You know, with Randy Turpin, the biggest night of his life was when he beat Sugar Ray Robinson, who at the time was was unbeatable. You know, Randy Turpin comes along and, and shocks him. And then all of a sudden, you know, it changes his life dramatically. There's parades in his local town. It just Fame is just thrust upon him. But it's the people around him, again, very much like the Tony Listons of the world, the people around him that that really capitalised off the back of it. And there was a few characters in there that certainly, certainly fed off the back of his fame from beating Sugar Ray Robinson. Well, I feel like the one of the things because i'm just from my notes he went from almost like being bullied in the house to just being a notorious bully and it seems like him being a bully made him the fantastic amateur boxer which made him the great pro boxer was that he basically from what i gathered from this story was he got picked on at home he got kind of made fun of they called him the liquor instead of the littlest and then from that progression he basically never wanted to be marginalized and his antidote was just to make everyone's life hell around him turns into a great boxer but being that type of person aren't naturally the people that comfort you and you're comfortable around going to be a little bit sketchier than the average person because your social norms are not normal yeah i think i think it was the same with sonny liston weren't it exactly the same he he wanted to be loved by people he wanted to be revered by people but Ultimately, the people that were best around him were the people that were a bit shady, that did have a bit of a murkier past or murky dealings going on behind the scenes. And I think the people that that influenced Randy Turpin throughout his life and his career were there solely for the basis of of getting what they needed out of him. I'm not saying Randy Turpin was innocent in all of this because it's quite evident that there were many many incidents that were that were reported where. You know, it didn't seem like he was a very nice man himself. But that's not for that's not for me or for Johnston to sit here and say definitively that, that that's the case because we didn't live through it. We can only go off accounts of people that did live through the these times and the accounts that we got together from the people that were around didn't always paint a great picture of him as an individual. And it seemed like he was better around the people that were just trying to sponge off him than he were around his own family. I mean... You go through the course of the story and you realise that he starts to fall out with, with most of his family towards the end of his life. And he ends up, obviously, in a flat above uh, a cafe, which isn't doing doing that great, really. You know, he had a one great business, which then failed as a result of him literally drinking the, the profits of that business. And then he moves into another business and then it seemingly seems to be going OK. But ultimately, many, many things surrounding him didn't seem to go the way he wanted them to so he decided to to end his life he decided to to take that plunge and quite selfishly decided to try and end his daughter's life as well um you know fortunately he wasn't successful in doing so but the letter that we read out at the end of the episode just before we confirmed obviously what happened to him and how he died that was such a strange letter you know us reading i think it was me that read the letter out 
And I'm thinking to myself, it just doesn't make sense. I had to read over it a few times. It's like, you know, is this a man that's kind of got suspicions about people wanting to murder him? Or is this a man that is just genuinely in that dark place where he really is, you know, he's just going to take his life? And there was a lot of strange circumstances surrounding his passing. The fact that, you know, he, he, he was in the flat above a cafe, a busy cafe. The, fa- the fact that there was a gunshot, more than one gunshot occurred, and yet nobody heard it initially. And it was only when his his wife came to check on him that they'd found that he was he was dead and the daughter had been injured. It's like, hang on a minute, you know, this doesn't really seem right. Obviously, we weren't there. There wasn't a lot of reports that we could get. There wasn't any any particular police reports that we could get hold of where it'd actually confirm everything. But they put it down to just suicide. But his letter indicated that there were some people that were after him. And then there was also the author who was who was about to publish the book. He was threatened that if he released any details in that book, that that they were going to come for him as well. So obviously, it kind of it kind of left a bit of a an open interpretation in your own mind as to you know did he did he really commit suicide or or was he killed? Was it staged? And I suppose throwing the mic back to you, you know, after listening to to his untimely demise, what do you think? What do you make of that all? Well, I had that in my notes. So I'm glad that that was in my talking points. But basically, I looked at in this archetype that we're going through of the damaged boxer, he died broke and damaged. You know, he drew, he, he basically entered the sport, a damaged person, got his accolades, but he never got fixed through the sport of boxing. He just stayed damaged. And I think that that's what's kind of sad and unique about this story is at least in most boxers circumstances, they might come with personal pain, but they gain something. It felt like all of his accomplishments, and we'll get into the Ray Robinson win in a bit, nothing ever really fixed anything in his life. They were like band-aids and so forth. And get to getting to the end, I think that when you talk about the amount of domestic violence, the reports, the awful things that he had done, this feels like a case of you reap what you sow or the boy who cried wolf. I just don't think people had sympathy for him. And weren't even interested in checking if it was a suicide or not. They found the body. He's a troubled guy. He's always been bringing trouble. And I think, sadly, the case didn't get examined much further because of the problems he had created. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a good assessment of it. And and obviously, it was during a period of time where life was completely different in the UK. Policing was completely different in the UK. And obviously not long before that, another boxer who recovered for season one, Freddie Mills, you know, he died in very suspicious circumstances. They ruled that a suicide. But in that episode as well, you know, there were a lot of theories behind um, gangsters, possibly even Mayor Lansky from the, from the USA being involved in that particular hit. So there's, there's always a lot of suspicions, and I know people sit there and go, oh, well, it's only a conspiracy theory, you know. This is the information that's out there. Many, many people have put together some great reports, some great stories over the years, uh, and, and, and that information is there to, to view, and really all we've done is just present it out to people and say, look, this is the information that's available. What do you think about it? You know, what do you think he killed himself? Do you think it was uh, just a troubled incident where... He, he was surrounded by too many murky people and, and someone decided to want to shut him up once and for all. Unfortunately, we just never know because things like this, like you say, just don't get examined because they, they looked at him as a bit of a stereotypical guy who'd come out of the back end of the sport uh, with nothing and he'd just gotten to the point of despair and decided to take his own life. And I think um, we've got to remember that, you know, he, he was 
very broke at this point in time. He, they were only just managing to make ends meet as well. And, you know, he'd, he'd finished boxing. When he finished boxing, he decided to become a wrestler. Then he moved on from, from wrestling uh, and tried to do some bit parts here and there. And it just never really worked out. And he, the once great world champion ended up without nothing, really. And that's that's the sad thing about it. Boxing definitely took more than him from him than, than he gave to boxing, really. Well, I think like the thing that I, stood out to me with like the wrestling and everything, it's like it there would seem to be a spiral with him where like he'd feel bad that he was in the situation he was in. He had this terrible money management. So the minute he got money, he was already spending the money he had. The money, his inability to keep money or have someone that he trusts handle his money to the point where he'd have at least some money then would make him look like a feel like a failure. It felt like the failure would lead to alcoholism, the alcoholism. If he had a a partner, it seemed like the alcoholism would then trigger the domestic violence. The domestic violence would start up the fact that he couldn't get consistent work when he does get consistent work, the circle. It felt like he had a cycle that would just repeat. There was no breaking it. And I hate to say it, it felt it feels like he wasn't really taking steps to change. He'd try at times, but he was so ingrained in what he was doing that it was just inevitably the same thing year after year. Yeah, I can imagine it, it was. It very much felt that way when putting the research together and delivering the episode. It very much felt like it was just one big vicious circle that he would repeat over and over again, year in, year out. And it's sad, isn't it? Because, you know, these guys have left have left stamps on the sport. Randy Turpin is regarded in the UK as one of the great British boxers ever. You know, when people put their list together, however they decide to use the parameters to put the list together, a lot of people always feature Randy Turpin in there, mainly because of his famous victory and becoming the world middleweight champion. That That's ultimately what it sort of boils down to because of, of what he did against Sugar Ray Robinson. But then people obviously forget about a lot of these incidents occurring outside of the ring. They don't talk about it. It doesn't get spoken about. It gets shoved away on a bookshelf in a library somewhere. Nobody ever discusses it, which is why we wanted to talk about this story because it's a sad story. And, you know, I think a part of me feels like sorry for 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 what boxing sort of took from him and what he weren't able to take away from boxing but then a part of me also thinks well look at what he did you know there was multiple multiple incidents where he was reported to have 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 hit a woman or abused a woman in some way shape or form the the most prominent story for me was when he came to america and adele daniels in particular had obviously took a shine to him and the reports were that he was going to bring her back to the UK. They were going to get married. He didn't follow through with that promise. So when he came back, she basically did give him a big kick in the bollocks uh, and made it out like he he had hurt her. He had done many things to her, and obviously he was arrested and, and, and to be put on trial. And that that was, I think, the final touch that really sent. If anything would have sent him into a spiral, I think that that incident, that whole saga, I think would have been it. Because he, he was all this money was taken from him. What little money he had was taken away from him. So he had nothing. So he he'd beat Sugar Ray Robinson, gone to America to defend his title against Sugar Ray Robinson, ultimately losing in the rematch, and then also losing all this money in the process. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing I was thinking about too, and you brought this up, is 
whether it's Carlos Monzon, Sonny Liston, Randy Turpin, people love to talk about how smart they are about boxing and how they know about this, this fighter. And this is why you need to respect them, but they don't ever try to put the person in a modern context. So like, if you bring, if you want to remember Randy Turpin's major win over Ray Robinson and his, uh, his abilities to, basically bring would you say he brought britain into the modern boxing era he was the first version of a calzaghi or a now we got josh taylor he was bringing the modern era to britain maybe uh bob fitzsimmons maybe ken buchanan those type of guys but we never want to look or there's not many that want to look at Ollie, and then they look at, well, even though he stood up for civil rights, he also was a segregationist. Or George Foreman did some wild stuff, but now he's selling grills and he knocked people out. When we go back and look at history, I feel like when we look at legends, we want to look at what made them legendary, but never really think about who they were as a person. Just romanticize it and then say in past times, things were much better. Yeah, I think that's that's very, very accurate statement i think look at the episodes we've done so far look at carlos monzon was one of the first three episodes that we did for season one people speak about monzon as the greatest middleweight he is the greatest middleweight that's without a shadow of a doubt that's what everybody says and then they put Hagler behind him but they don't talk about what he did outside of the ring did they the first thing they think of with monzon is middleweight champion the greatest middleweight champion it's the same with randy turpin like everybody thinks of randy turpin and you'll always think of, of the synonymous win over Sugar Ray Robinson, and they won't think about anything else about him. And this is the whole point of the series. is It's not just to, like I've always said, it's not just to sit here and, and, and slag these fighters off. And, you know, they're not here to defend themselves. It's not about that. It's about presenting people with a story about, actually, there was a lot more to this individual than just a win over Sugar Ray Robinson, winning the title, bringing the British boxing into the modern era... Yeah, okay, he, he held it for 64 days, he, he loses it in the rematch, but for that alone, people only focus on that, that element of it. They don't focus on everything else that went around, the sad story. I mean, even jumping back in the timeline a little bit and jumping back to earlier on, when he when he de- he decided to down some disinfectant and, and essentially looked to commit suicide very early on. I think the warning signs were there very early on, but at that time, there was nobody around to help the era that they were in you know there was a massive stigma around it mental health wasn't even spoken about in that era if you if you were a man you were expected to go out and work while the women were at home you were expected to bring the money home you were expected to to struggle you weren't expected to 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 cry even you know you were expected to go out and do everything while the women were at home looking after the kids and making the food and that was the era that randy turpin was in so these mental, these mental health issues that he was having were just there and they just continued to get worse and worse and worse over the years to the point where he completely cuts his family off. I mean, his, his brother Dick was in, was in his corner. His brother Dick was the first black British boxer to win a title for the, for the British title in the UK. He, he cemented his own legacy in his own right. And ironically, Dick's grandson, Jerome, actually listened to this episode and then he commented on it, and it was only because I questioned him on on Twitter. You know, you've got the same surname. You know, is it is it just a Twitter name, or is it actually are you related to them? And he went, yeah, um, 
Dick was my was my granddad. So he's the great the great um I think Randy Turpin would have been his great great uncle, I think that makes him. So, you know, he listened to that episode and even even obviously elements of that must have rang true to the Turpin household there and it must have been stories that they must have been well aware of there. Uh, but Randy Turpin celebrated over here in the UK. But they don't speak about this. There's even there's even a statue in in Leamington of in Leamington of him. You know, that's out there. But they don't speak about any of this. And and, and my hope was that they actually realised he had a really difficult life. He, he struggled. He had a lot of issues. I don't condone any of the, the actions, any of the domestic abuse. We don't condone that. But there's a lot of issues surrounding it. That could have probably have been prevented and they weren't. I mean, it's it's not unlike like a Jake LaMotta, right? You can celebrate Jake LaMotta, but you also have to address things. Some quick hits for me. Racism from Winston Churchill didn't age very well like winston churchill's blatant racism to pop up in this episode history will probably not look fondly at that the ray robinson win i like the context you added to his career saying the fact that he had basically there was a girl who walked across the street 300 yards goes missing robinson had no clue about the girl coming to see him it weighs over the fight. He loses this fight. And even though Turpin gets this defining win and everyone will always talk about it, this also does feel like Ray Robinson in the middle of being a movie star, in the middle of being called the greatest in his era. A tragedy happens. This feels like the perfect trap fight before we knew what trap fights were. And Randy Turpin made the most of an evening where a superstar boxer maybe wasn't completely focused. What did you think about that story? I mean, that story to me was, I never, I never knew about it. I never knew this story until we did the research for it. And I just found it so, so strange that this, this was to happen at the same time. I suppose people of a certain age that were around when this happened, probably will remember it. It was probably bigger news then, but now in a completely different era, these little details get forgotten about, and I found it so so compelling that we needed to have this in there, even though it wasn't to do with the fight directly related. It was because this this young girl wanted to go and see Sugar Ray Robinson, and you know he found out about it, and he was he was absolutely gutted. You know he was gutted. This was just one of his fans. This was just a young girl that was one of his fans that wanted to see him, that some awful predator took advantage of, uh, and and killed, and yet. That crime was never solved. And so there's an unsolved murder in the midst of a tragedy of Randy Turpin as well. And I just felt like, you know, we had to include that information in there because I think it's it's information that, that relates, although it doesn't directly to relate to the fight, it relates to the story. It relates to everything that went on at the time. And as you rightly pointed out, Sugar Ray Robinson, big movie star, everybody's surrounding him, everybody wants to be around him. UK fight fans have never seen anything like it as well. UK people have never seen anything like it. Sugar Ray Robinson coming to the UK at that time was like, it's like the equivalent of probably Queen Elizabeth going to America and the, and the hype that surrounds a queen. And, Anthony and Joshua it... fighting in America. That's probably the Ameri- the equivalent, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you could, uh, there's quite a few ways you could compare that. There is. But I found it quite shocking. What did you What did you think of it all when, you were, when we were delivering that? Well, I think the big thing I thought of was just from a human being, how could Ray Robinson even care about the fight? Because it's like, here you are, you're basically like, the way I looked at it was, Ray's on tour with the world belt, 
here's my stop in this region. It's like literally a world tour. He's flying around. You see Ray Robinson once. This tragedy happens when some girl wanted just to see Ray Robinson because he's that big of a star. A predator, a terrible person takes advantage, kills the girl. And now Ray, whether he said it or not, he feels responsible because this girl went to see him. And even though he didn't know that she was coming to see him, it, it, Ray, Ray Robinson has an interesting career because there's a lot of like death overtones before his fights, like that dream about not wanting to hurt the guy. Then there's this. I feel like it's hard to just focus on a tough fighter if this lingers over your mind leading into a fight. I'm pretty sure, like, as a human being, he would have been absolutely devastated by that fact, but it clearly didn't stop him from doing what he needed to do, or well, doing what he didn't do, essentially, which was to come to the UK uh, as another pit stop on his European tour uh, and defeat a fighter and go away and go to the next stop. You know, he was he was shocked, he was, he was upset by Randy Turpin, and it created what is boxing folklore now. But I just, we just felt so compelled to make sure that information was in there. It's like, is it relevant? Maybe not so much. But yeah, then again, yeah, so it is because of who it was this girl was going to see and how close this girl was to getting to, to see him. She was literally yards. I think it was only a couple of hundred yards away from uh, from what I 300 is what you said. Yeah, so a couple of hundred yards away from from where she lived to where he was staying. And as we said in the episode, it's like, you probably didn't feel like you needed to keep your kids as safe as you do now with that many predators online and on the street. You probably didn't feel that way because I, I do believe from people in my own family that that generation was more of a community-based generation where people would speak to each other, neighbours would look out for each other more so than they do now. So I can imagine the, the, the grief of the parents, I can imagine the grief of Sugar Ray, but it didn't stop him getting in the ring and... That night was just one of them nights that happened. And most recently, Joshua Ruiz. Joshua, you know, obviously Joshua got absolutely obliterated by a guy who didn't didn't look like physically, seemingly he'd go in there and do that, even though we knew he was a very skilled fighter. But I just found it really compelling the whole thing, the whole tale uh, of, of that incident. But Ray Robinson, then the actual fight with Ray Robinson. Uh, did you have the chance to go back and? and look at what went down there and how it all panned out for, for the two. Well, you know, my, my stalker game is crazy. Even though I was in Vegas, just working my butt off. I did go back and see it. I'm a huge fan of Ray Robinson. So I try to go back. This is going to go inside the Lukey mind. I try to go back and visualize where a Ray Robinson would be in like current. And I think the excitement around Ray would have been like a Roy Jones in his prime. Like you have this guy, because when I'm watching him fight, Randy, he's not winning the fight, but you still see that he's a different type of animal than Randy Turpin. Like Randy Turpin's a great fighter, but you see Ray Robinson, like Eddie Croft showed me, he threw this right to the body and then he comes up with the right, the combinations he's throwing. Turpin felt more like a physical mauler who used his hard life, his aggression, his willpower. I think that he, Turpin's greatest strength was There was a part of him that hated himself so much, nothing his opponent could do could hurt him. And it just came to how much damage he could take. And then when he hit that damage meter, he was done as a fighter because all it was about was will, toughness, and hatred. Ray 
feels interesting to me because skill set wise, he had probably as much skill as any fighter. The issue with Ray was sometimes I think that his focus or he he was so talented, he didn't always just stay in the ring. He wasn't always present in the ring. Sometimes yeah. I think he his mind could leave the ring and then he'll be like, oh, God, I got to come back and then I'm going to win this fight. And we saw with certain fighters, guys could sneak up on him. Sure, he fought a lot more, but Lamada snuck up on him. Turpin yeah. stuck up on him. I think the big takeaway, and I've said a lot too much probably, is that guys like Turpin and Ray Robinson, they don't make these type of fighters anymore because these are the guys where it's like, we're not hearing about followers. We're not hearing about this and that. These were scary guys. Ray Robinson was a scary guy who became a movie star beating people up and people looked at him as a pretty boy. Then you got Randy Turpin, who probably would fight you on the street and fight you in the ring. And these guys were getting at it and it's looked almost like a tune-up fight. Like if we're being real, it's looked at. So, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway for me was just how tough these guys were in this era. Yeah. I think we don't respect it. Well, not so much me and you, but I think uh, the generation of of fans that come to the sport, maybe two or three years in, they don't really, they don't really, respect it they don't really look into it i think that's part of the problem is they don't educate themselves enough their education is the the past 10 15 years they don't look anywhere past the, the 20 years mark and they actually look at some of these guys and how tough their lives were and how tough they were as fighters or how skilled they were and how someone like a randy turpin you know gets gets overlooked as a fighter because you know he, he was he was fighting what 60 70 years ago and people forget and i suppose that's why you know we enjoy doing these episodes because not only was he a great fighter of his own time you know he upset one of the greatest of all time some argue the greatest of all time he upset him he came over on his european tour he was beating people in germany and france in italy yeah did he get distracted probably that's probably why you lost that fight. He probably did get distracted. You said he leaves the ring sometimes. I think that was probably what he did. And I think when you watch the fight and you watch the footage that's available, you can kind of see towards the end, he's trying to pull it back. I think he realises towards the end of the fight, it's like, shit, I've got to do something here. I can't just cruise past this guy. This guy is a lot tougher than what I thought he was. And I think that was quite evident when... When Sugar Ray Robinson spoke about Randy Turpin in the way he did and how much respect he had for him, not just as as a fighter, but he had a lot of respect for him as a man as well. And I think Randy Turpin, whilst we've mentioned a lot of things about you know the negative things that happened in his life, he was, you know, when he when he was on his day, a lot of people had a lot of respect for him. They, they enjoyed his company, and it's it's very conflicting because there's so many people that loved him who were around him, who he seemed to be really nice to, who never had a problem with him. And then there were many that weren't. There were many that weren't, and and there were many accounts of him not being so much of a nice man, and and that's where it that's where it's conflicting, and I suppose it's it's down to the individual who listens to the episode to determine what you take away from it. Do you just take away him as, you know, the guy that beat Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, a great guy who who got a statue in his hometown as a result of that, or do you take away that actually he was a really troubled soul? that needed help, that needed uh, someone to put their arm around his shoulder and say, look, well, let's get you sorted. Could that have made him a better fighter? Could that have made him have a better career overall? Yeah, probably. And I think that that's kind of what I took away from it, was like, yeah, he, he'll always have this respect, he'll always have this this status because of, of that, that achievement. 
but there could have been so much more. I think that maybe what the way we'll try to phrase it is maybe they're not mutually exclusive. Maybe he he one second my my USA boxing is trying to load up in the background, so I'm gonna just disappear for one. Okay, I'm back because the worlds are going on, and then we don't want to get you copyright infringement. But um, I was saying they're not mutually exclusive in one or the other. I think that the thing is, oftentimes people don't think about what it would be like if my friend was a world-class boxer. Boxing's what they tune in on Saturday. Boxing's their passion. They would love to meet a boxer because they love the sport. But I think the hard thing for people to know is there's a lot of boxers who treat their fans well, but if you deal with them on a day-to-day basis, they might be a little intense. And I think that's the other side is, if you're looking at Turpin just from a historical or a fan perspective of in the ring, amazing. If you're looking at what it would be like to be around him or manage him or or have him in your life for 30 years, it might be strange. I think you've probably hit the nail on the head for many people, really, that have that have taken taken this episode and taken the context from it. I think that's a very good way to um, to, to summarize what this was all about, what this story was all about. And I, I don't really want to, I don't feel like there's anything more for me to, for me to add to, to, to the drama of Randy Turpin's life. I think if you've not listened to it and you've been watching this or listening to it, then I suggest you go and listen to it in full because it's the only way you're going to get a real understanding of, of the detail behind the man himself and, and what he was really like. I, I've, I thoroughly enjoyed doing it because I felt it was a story that needed telling. I felt it was a story that, needed putting out there once more and, and people realising that, you know, he wasn't just that man that beat Sugar Ray Robinson. He was actually more than that. He actually won titles uh, over here in the UK. He won the middleweight title. He won, like, heavyweight titles in the UK. He wasn't just a one-of-a-kind, one-off fighter. You know, he actually was, was more than just that. And I think we do mention a lot of that in the episode, but we, we tend not to try and focus on all the boxing career because we do cover that for our career profiles podcast so you know randy turpin if we was doing a career profile on him you know we'd be talking more about the significant wins of his career not just sugar ray robinson the fact that he went on to win the british light heavyweight title the commonwealth title the european title he wasn't he wasn't just uh, it wasn't just a one-off night sugar ray robinson i think that's what i'm trying to say here is yeah, he wins the title of Sugar Ray, but actually there were a lot of things he did in the ring that, that made him the boxer he was. And I think that's the other easy thing, like with an Andy Ruiz, Buster Douglas, because if in many ways, and I didn't even think of this until now, so I'm, what kind of host am I? He was kind of the first ever Buster Douglas Mike Tyson in many ways. He was the first guy where it's like, here's the superstar, Here's the really good world-level fighter, but superstar guy, nine times out of ten, probably beats this guy. And it's kind of evident because the way Robinson did him, he did the rematch and he didn't want the trilogy. And that's kind of evident of these guys if they ever get to that stardom. Douglas never had the Tyson rematch. Andy Ruiz beats Joshua and then he loses to Joshua and they're like, okay, we're going somewhere else. We don't want to do this a third time. And that's kind of the story is, you get these guys that kind of, I I view Turpin as a guy, tons of talent, never fully met his potential. And then on one given night, he puts it all together. And then for better or for worse, because he has that amazing moment, 
that one moment of greatness is going to summarize his career like an Andy Ruiz, like a Buster Douglas. No one's ever going to context the career. They're going to go, he beat Ray Robinson. And I think that that's just how history looks at those figures. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And I don't think there'd be any other way to uh, to end our conversations on, on Randy Turpin. I think you've covered it off really nicely. And I hope people obviously did enjoy the episode. I hope they have enjoyed the episode. I mean, like I said, Jerome Turpin, you know, big shout out to Jerome. You know, if he watches this, he follows the podcast. He, he does comment on a lot of the stuff that we do. And, and and really, I hope he was telling me the truth. I'm sure he was. He's got no reason to lie. But he told me that he was the grandson of, of Dick Turpin, the brother of Randy. And it's like, wow, he's really listened to that episode. And, he, you know, he said, great job. And I'm like... Okay, I'll take that because at the end of the day, you know, some of these family members do actually pick up on on this. And and I've had one particular one on YouTube from season one who, who talked about uh, a British again another British boxer who was um, who was murdered and chopped up into seven pieces and put in the freezer. Uh, and I don't know if it was his actual sister of the murder victim who commented to us on YouTube, but she mentioned a lot about how she misses him. And I'm like, bloody hell, she must have seen this on YouTube and it must have hit home a little bit, which is. Again, why we have to put disclaimers at the start of the episode because there are elements of these stories that people are really not going to like. They're going to dislike them. They're not going to enjoy them because it's going to offend them in some way, shape or form. And as you know, we live in a, a generation where everybody gets offended by anything. So unfortunately, you know, the people have to take into consideration that these stories are going to contain bits of detail that are not going to be very nice to listen to. And I suppose that leads me nicely on to uh, just have a little quick five minutes about next week's episode um you know what it is already because we've mentioned it to you uh inside the mind of Ikebea Butcher episode number three next week uh initial thoughts before you listen to that what what are your memories of Abea Butcher one of my favorite fighters growing up he kind of filled the void for me from Mike Tyson getting me into the sport to here's this dude that felt like Mike Tyson 2.0 heavyweight I never knew what he was going to say. And I'm excited to jump into this because he just kind of disappeared at a point in my life. He the prez was doing his thing. And then it's like, he kind of eggs. I, I have my own version of what I think happened, but it's going to be fun to go through because I don't think that what I envisioned and what I've told myself is a hundred percent historically accurate, but I think he's one of the most fascinating and probably most untold stories in boxing. He's, he very much is, uh, and obviously, you know, we've done our podcast on him. There is a book that's just been released, to, you know, that coincides with our release of this episode as well, uh, and we will have the author on the show next week uh, after the episode's been released, the author of that book, Luke G. Williams. Uh, the President of Pandemonium is his book from Hamilcar. Uh, you know, I'm giving him a cheap plug here, but it's a great book. It really is. He's done his homework and he's he's actually had conversations with Ike in the past. And, you know, he was a, a very good source for us as well as others to be able to put an episode together about Ike. And I think people are already looking forward to this one. The reaction on social media already is that, you know, this is the guy, like you said, he was is a guy that excited a lot of people. For, for, for a good few number of years and you honestly felt like he was going to be the next heavyweight champion of the world at one point and then all of a sudden things just change and he disappears and he's been away from the scene for so long and at one point he was actually going to be on the undercard of Manny Pacquiao and Tim Bradley and he was going to be back in the ring and then all of a sudden he disappears again so all that story is, is there it's, we get to fill them gaps in of what happened 
all them years ago and, and what's happening now, even as even as far back as um even as not not as far back but even as uh, uh recent as uh, this year we've got information that's come from Luke that as as recent as this year as to what's going on with Ike Bayabuchi so I'm I'm really excited for that one to go live and obviously I'm excited to be back on here next week talking about Bayabuchi his story and, and and obviously your interpretation of what comes out of that well I mean just a quick spoiler the the thing I always remembered and I I don't really remember it that well was people trying to explain to me that he went with some form of an HBO executive to a dinner and then like he basically threatened the guy and depending on who's telling you the story it's like he he grabbed the guy someone said it was a weapon but it's just like at that time frame you'd never hear stories from fighters like that and that it was just memorable and then so i'm excited about the, but i'm really i i want to say to everyone listening i'm loving doing these shows because this is like boxing college i'm i'm going through all these different stories i'm learning more about the fighters it's fun we're going to be back next week, Lukey, um, Lukey from ITR Box, and go follow all that stuff. Um, I'm just thrilled to be a part of this journey. Oh, it's a pleasure, Lukey. You've been a, you've been a great host, and we've got another seven after shows to do yet because there are ten episodes in the season uh, in its entirety. So we've got another seven different stories to go through. Uh, for anybody, obviously, that wants to find the podcast on social media, it's at darker underscore side underscore pod or BTR Boxing Podcast Network on all social media. This video version is on ITR Boxing's YouTube channel exclusively. So if you want to look at our uh, our very lovely faces and you want to hear us talking about uh, an education in boxing history then obviously this is the place to come and obviously see all the great content that luke is putting out uh, on, a, on a daily basis different fights different fight previews reviews make sure you're getting subscribing to itr boxing as well uh, and obviously thank you for listening luke i'll hand it over to you to finalize i just want to say lukey uh, lukey boxing on twitter itrboxing.com this has been a complete honor to be on this show, to be able to host and talk through these, not just to be brought on with my great friends over here at the darker side of the boxing, but also for the fans that love this show, the listeners. It's a great honor because the UK, the world has great boxing fans. So I really appreciate any and all that tune in every week because this is a great show. And I just want, instead of plugging myself, I want to just say, how much I enjoy every week listening to these shows and to be a part of it. It really means a lot. It's a pleasure. Honestly, we really appreciate your support and everybody's support. And thanks so much to everybody watching this video or listening. And please make sure you do go and check out ITR Boxing, the dark side of boxing. Uh, and any questions, just drop us both a tweet. You know, we're all we're all on social media. You're obviously you're at Lukey Boxing. I'm at Sean BTR Boxing. You can find me on there. Uh, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Luke, as always, I've really enjoyed this episode. Podcast Network.